0: to the JR Takes Sportscast. I'm Ryan Rogers.
1: And as always, I am Jonah Hoffman.
0: And so we are about a week and a half out from the draft now, and today we're just going to be talking about the state of the Seattle Seahawks, as well as some little rumblings that have happened around the league involving a certain Tom Brady. <laughs> um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so Jonah, post-draft, I know we went into... Uh, Bit of a deep dive of what we thought of the Seahawks picks individually, um, but how are you feeling about the franchise as a whole right now? <clears throat> I'm feeling really good about the franchise as
1: a whole. You know, uh, when we initially traded Russ uh, March 8th or whenever, whatever yeah, day it, it was, March 8th, uh, I was obviously uh, in. In a dark place, <laughs> uh, but as, na- as a
0: lot of us were.
1: But yeah, I'm uh, I'm feeling really good about our team right now. You know, we uh, address the tackle positions, we address the corner positions, and the D line. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what our guys can do. I've been watching some of the uh, little mini clips of rookie minicamp and all that mm-hmm. going on with the Seahawks social media page. So. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited. I haven't been this excited really since 2012 about a Seahawks team. Uh, I mean, I was obviously, I expected us to go to the Super Bowl in 2013 mm. and win. I just had a feeling that year, but I haven't been excited to see the
0: potential in yeah. things
1: I'm uncertain of uh, since about 2012. Uh, was the last time i had that feeling so
0: yeah um to echo on that i actually feel really similarly um because i remember after the 2012 draft we had just had a pretty good end of the season in 2011 um preceding that i think they won like like four out of their last six games or something like that and actually that's what the team did last year as well um the 2021 seahawks um but um yeah, I, I at that point, you know, we had a new quarterback, similar situation going on here. We had just drafted a bunch of uh, players at key positions and it was an unknown, but there was just a lot of optimism about it. And I, I totally agree. I think, you know, with the assets we got with the Russell Wilson Wilson trade, um, they've I mean, we got Charles Cross out of that deal and Boye Mafé Fant. Um, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, and I believe one of Kobe Bryant or Tariq Woolen. I can't remember which one it was. Because it was the fourth round pick we got from them, correct?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I thought we got a second from them as well, didn't we?
0: We did. That yeah. was Boye Mafe. Oh, okay. Yes. Um.
1: So no, we traded them a fourth rounder.
0: That's what it was. So I think we got a fifth then, right? Because we got five picks and three players out of the deal. Okay. Um.
1: I'm trying to think of the last episode because it had all of our draft picks, rounds, and the pick number. I I feel like we had two fifths. Did we not?
0: We did. Yeah. So I think one of them was... Oh, so you know what? It was either Tariq Woolen or it was Dariq... Oh, wait. Let's just
1: say it was either Dariq or Tariq.
0: Yes. Something with an eek. (laughs) But, uh... Maybe we trade for Zeke? I hope not. (laughs) 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 Um, but anyways uh, you look at the way those assets played out and granted no one's even stepped on the field yet but we haven't had a guy like Charles Cross as a prospect since Russell Okung and I actually I think Cross has a chance to be a lot better of a player than Russell Okung was
1: yeah I'm actually I'm really excited for Charles Cross don't get me wrong but I'm more excited about the other tackle we drafted because Oh, Abraham yeah I'm just excited to see what caliber player he's going to be or uh you know if he starts or maybe he won't start the season i i would like to hope and think that he's going to Mm -hmm. um just because you know you want your third round pick to start at a position that is currently vacant or Mm -hmm. uh, i mean not vacant but we only have two tackles right had two tackles before the draft started so you have to assume that there might not be that much competition there for him to start but maybe there will be we'll we'll have to see
0: yeah it, it remains to be seen but i think what's really exciting um about this time is because we you know got rid of so many veterans who were good players but now there's actual competition like not just coach speak there's going to be legitimate competition at like you know pretty much every position on the roster you know including quarterback so um I do think the competitions we're going to have in camp this summer and preseason are going to be legit and the best man is going to win regardless of what capital was given up to obtain them.
1: Ryan, what do you think about uh, the rumors of, well, I guess they weren't rumors because Pete Carroll talked about him uh, Mm. when he was asked this week, but KJ Wright on the potential of coming back that's right maybe not as a player but as a coach what do you think about i i mean
0: (laughs) pretty much every member of the legendary seahawks teams from 2012 to 2015 uh kj wright richard sherman cam chancellor lynch too, marshawn any and all of them that want to join the coaching staff i'm all for it because I i i don't know how well being a great player transitions to being a coach we've seen some good some some not so good examples of that but um KJ seems like a guy that's really invested in the organization still. I mean, I listened to the podcast he was on. He said the only place he, he's going to play for this next season is Seattle. He wants to come home. And that that just warms my heart to hear. So
1: Well, yeah, and I guess I didn't realize that he had his whole family living up here while he played down in Oakland. Yeah. So that was cool. And fun little fact, I actually saw him last September when we went we all went to a Mariners game. Saw That's him. Right. Saw him outside this bar and I didn't even notice him it was our friend Chris who thought that there was two Devonte Freemans in the league <laughs> uh pointed him out to me and I was like Chris are you kidding me you think that there's two Devonte Freemans but you can spot KJ Wright in a big crowd of people in public without any football gear on uh, but yeah no I uh I would be more than happy to see him join our coach join our coaching staff um uh Obviously, all of like you were saying, all of the Seahawks players from that twenty thirteen season, really that thirteen twelve thirteen fourteen era, mm-hmm. uh, all those players kind of stamped a ticket to, you know, Seahawks Hall of Fame yeah. caliber esque in my book. Well, minus Percy Harvin because he was an asshole, <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> and he did uh, like two things.
1: Yeah. So,
0: but yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I hope it happens. I wonder if. Um... Maybe not this off season it happens, but the next one, maybe I'm, Maybe he just wants to take a year off and hang out with his family. Um, I could totally see that happening, too. But I, I would love it. It would make me super happy to see. And KJ, he seems like someone, because, you know, there's former Seahawks like uh, Jordan Babineau, for example, that are in Seahawks media now. Mm-hmm. He seems like one of those guys that's going to stick with the organization post-football playing For sure. Um, Which makes me happy. I've always thought K.J. Wright was very underrated. He kind of was in the shadow of Bobby Wagner, who, you know, is like a modern-day Ray Lewis in his impact at the middle linebacker position. But Mm -hmm. K.J., for many years there, was his right-hand man and arguably just as good at what he did.
1: Oh, yeah, he was definitely overlooked. Um, I think probably because he wasn't... uh, He's not... The way he plays linebacker, he's not a, a go getter. Like he's not gonna go after the quarterback or blitz True. or yeah. any anything like that. So I think maybe in that regard too, he was he went unnoticed a lot throughout his career. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I would love to have him back on.
0: Yeah, he was the kind of player that when if you don't watch every Seahawk game, maybe you don't see the impact. But you and I both remember anytime a limb of his touched a player with the ball, they were on the ground. Yeah. He was a sure tackler. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, that, that would be great. I mean, that would be another step in this off season that I would really, really like. Um. But yeah, I, I'd honestly, uh, it's interesting because I don't really think the Seahawks are going to be all that great this com- upcoming season. Um. Whether it be Drew Locke or Geno Smith who wins the starting job, I think, Best case scenario, they're the 16th to 20th best quarterback in the league next season, optimistically, mm-hmm. um, which would be fine. I mean, I think that'd be great if that happened. But uh, best case scenario, I see the Seahawks perhaps grabbing the number seven seed and making it in as a wild card team. The NFC is very weak this upcoming season. It's really, you know, the big three and Green Bay. L.A. Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that are going to be gunning for the uh, Super Bowl on the NFC side unless something weird happens.
1: I don't know. Teams like the 49ers always surprise you, like teams that kind of you don't. Because re- every year they've gone to the NFC Championship with uh, what's his name? Jimmy G. No, the, the coach. Well, I guess Jimmy G, too. Uh, Shanahan. Kyle Paul Shanahan. Shanahan. They, all the years that they've been relevant in terms of Super Bowls, no one expected them to do anything that year. Like, remember when they started off eight and zero that one year when they lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl?
0: True. I, I will say last season or last off season, I remember seeing a bunch of power rankings that were putting the 49ers in the top five, and I was personally, I was like, why? Like did,
1: you... exactly. Like I mean, maybe the experts might have seen it. Well, when I say experts, I'm not referring to you and me. Surprisingly enough, <laughs> but um, no, shocking. <laughs> um yeah the experts might have uh put them in the top five because i mean if any west coast team is gonna you know get their balls sucked on a little bit it's going to be the 49ers <laughs> yeah because one of the two california it's, it's usually teams. a california team that gets all the love and not the seahawks <laughs> yeah
0: i think part of that it just my speculation is seattle is very far away from any other team, period. Like there was just a thing that got posted on Twitter this week that the Seahawks were gonna travel the most miles this season.
1: That's how it is with baseball too.
0: Yeah. But I mean when I saw that I was like, okay, they are usually, if not, the most travel team, like top three every year. So I hardly see how this is news. Yeah. Um so I don't know, it's just there's all the big media spots are distance wise very far away from seattle so maybe that's part of it we need more people in the media like mina kimes that are seahawks fans and, oh yeah we uh, love mina kimes yes yeah,
1: so b- we really love mina kimes <laughs> hopefully mina kimes can join us on our show one day
0: that'd be awesome mina if you're listening you have been cordially invited to the jr take sports <laughs> um
1: so uh that reminded me of another thing since we're talking about travel what do you think of uh, us playing tampa bay next year in uh, munich germany
0: yeah, I think that's exciting. I Is this the first Germany NFL I game? I think so.
1: Uh, we went to London.
0: We played Detroit in London. Through, yeah, it was 2018. They played Detroit in and London. We just, oh, we know. They played the Raiders in London. That's what Right, I mean. yeah. right.
1: Didn't we demolish them?
0: Yeah, and it was uh, the only time we ever played against Marshawn Lynch post uh, his Seahawks oh, venture. right, right. Um, but yeah, no, the Raiders sucked that year. Derek Carr did terrible. We beat them pretty bad. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I actually remember in that game there was a there was a drive where we ran the ball like nine times in a row and then Wilson threw a touchdown pass. It was like <laughs> the most Pete Carroll drive of all time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for that game. I think I will be one of those fans waking up at 6:30 to watch the game. You're not I, are you going to DVR it or are you just going to get up and watch it when it happens? I have
0: no choice. My uh, body does not allow me to miss Seahawks games live, so I'll be up.
1: I've never been a DVR sport kind
0: of guy no. like DVRing
1: sports doesn't make any sense to me. I, I
0: mean and my fantasy apps are gonna spoil the contest for me anyway so it yeah. really makes no sense but I pretty much wake up at 6 30 every day anyway so it's really not that big of a deal yeah for one Sunday but um yeah no I think that's gonna be exciting <laughs> man it'd be great if uh all of Germany got to see us beat Tom Brady uh, what I would actually love for to happen in that situation is for the Buccaneers to be like 6 and 1 at that point and maybe we're like like 3 and 4 or like 2 and 5 or something like that and we just beat the buccaneers for no reason. That would be great. Like, yeah. I it, wouldn't mind that. I'm fine with that being our Super Bowl next year. It's just <laughs> the game against cuz it might be the last time we ever get to see the Seahawks play Tom Brady. Um and I'd love to see us go out on a W cuz I think the last time we played Tom Brady, well I guess it was it was all the way back in 2016. When, uh,
1: in New England,
0: yeah, yeah, that that was a great game. That was CJ Pro. Damn, Sises. that was that long ago, that long ago, 2016. We haven't played well, we've played the Patriots since then, but, but no, Tom Brady, yeah. And the last time we played the Bucks was the year before he joined the Bucks, right? Um, but speaking of Tom Brady, so what do you think of his deal to join Fox whenever he's finally done throwing five yard passes to running backs? Um, I don't really know, I feel like. I mean his voice doesn't really
1: annoy me. So I I think it'll be I think it'll be kind of cool listening to Tom Brady. I mean his voice annoys me when, he, when he's screaming like this. <laughs> like I hate that. I was voice about to say Brady. are you sure
0: it doesn't annoy you? Um
1: but I mean hearing him to I like when Tony Romo first started I I, I was I didn't skeptical. Really, I, yeah, I, I was skeptical but then he like started predicting every literally like Six plays in a row, and I was like, Oh, this is actually kind of fun watching and listening to Tony talk.
0: Honestly, I feel like it was kind of an indictment on Troy Aikman when uh Tony started diagnosing all these plays before they happen because it's like we've listened to Troy for years and he never does anything like that.
1: (laughs) No, um, well, and the fact that Joe and Troy are going to
0: uh Monday night night football, so.
1: I guess they're replacing, well, not next season, but I guess the following when Tom Brady's not playing football anymore, he'll be whenever he's available. I don't really know what the terms of the contract are, but.
0: They have some pretty high faith in him if they're giving him 345 billion. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't get it until he starts working for them, but God, that you're getting over a third of a billion dollars to talk about football. That's nuts.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, what? He's going to have to do like, he's going to have to come up with some new ESPN stats where he's going to have to say shit like, oh, this guy's only thrown 10 passes on a Monday night uh, when the moon has been full and all this bullshit. about
0: (laughs) When Mercury's in retrograde. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will continue to confound us with the ridiculous situational stats they come up with. Yeah. Like on turf fields in the month of February. <laughs> or I guess February just makes sense, but you get the idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I guess, uh, next topic of conversation I kind of wanted to bring up was, um, earlier this week, or I guess la- late last week, we had, uh, Adam Schefter and all these, uh, reports come out about, uh, Ryan Tannehill commenting on, uh, the potential of being Malik, Willis's mentor for mm-hmm. the Tennessee Titans. What do you think about uh his comments on, you know, it not being his job to uh sort of bring him up in the organization and eventually be the starting quarterback for that franchise? Right.
0: Well, it's kind of like, I don't know, people have been pretty quick to judge Tannahill for those comments, but I don't know. Let's say you're a senior level position at whatever company you work at, and they hire some 25-year-old that you know is going to take your job. Yeah, the good thing to do is to to mentor them, but, I mean, naturally as a human being, you're going to think, well, I'm, I'm helping basically make my job security less secure, you know? And so from Tannehill's perspective, he's thinking, this kid's trying to take my job. He's trying to take my paychecks. He's trying to take my... Opportunity to myself be the leader of this franchise and and win a Super Bowl. So, you know, I I think everyone has this rose colored view of what NFL locker rooms must be like. And from me personally, I'm speculating. I've never been in one of those locker rooms or in that position before. Um, but I think there's a lot more um, personal competition in those locker rooms between players of the same position than we maybe be let led to believe. Um, but if you look at some other examples of starting quarterbacks, longtime starting quarterbacks, uh, their franchise drafting or trading for another quarterback, there's not many examples I can think of where the starting quarterback was stoked about the situation. I mean, look at, Aaron Rodgers, just two years ago with the Packers drafting Jordan Love, he was clearly pissed off about that. And he paid them back with, I guess, two MVP awards to prevent them from starting Jordan Love. I remember when Ben Roethlisberger's reaction to, uh, that's what I was going to bring up. Uh, Mason I, Rudolph. That's right.
1: Was it Mason Rudolph though? Yeah. I f- Cause I feel like they, it happened maybe twice with Ben.
0: I, if it happened another time, I can't remember it. But I do, I specifically remember him being pissed off about Mason Rudolph getting drafted.
1: Well, and remember Brady with uh, Stidham? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so even the GOAT, like, would not be pushed out. Yeah. I mean, he plays for Tampa Bay now, but that's still unrelated.
0: Also, uh, Brett Far. this is going way back, but Brett Favre, when the Packers, uh, Drafted Aaron Rodgers was not happy about that. I remember that. And yeah. uh he w- I I've heard reports that he would like make fun of Aaron Rodgers and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um not I think actually Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers have a really good relationship now, but I know it was a bit contentious and um Aaron had to sit on the bench for like four seasons, three or four seasons before he was even the starter. Um
1: Yeah, I always forget how long he was a he's been in the four. league
0: since 05, as long as Alex Smith. Yeah. Um, But he didn't start playing. He wasn't the starter until 2008. Um, But, yeah, I feel like sometimes, like, uh Wilson, Stafford, and Rodgers are lumped into, like, the same generation. But Aaron Rodgers had been in the league for seven years when Wilson got drafted.
1: Like, mm-hmm.
0: it's not super comparable.
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> going back to Tannehill, um, he should try and help out his teammate, you know, The way I look at it, like uh, how you were comparing it to like a senior whatever job they're working and some 25-year-old comes Mm -hmm. in to eventually take their job. I think it's different when you play NFL football for a living. Like you are a part of a team. Like that is the most important thing is the team. With that being said, though, playing devil's advocate You look at all these players like Bobby Wagner, for example, that uh, get released by their organization, and then you chalk it down to, oh, well, it's a business. Business is business. But uh, so, I mean, you got to look at it both ways. You can't shame Ryan Tannehill for saying it's not my job to be his mentor, which it's not. Yeah, it is It's his job to win games for the franchise. Exactly. It's not his job to, you know make this guy mentally and physically ready to take over for him because it is a business and he needs to make his money. That's there's only 32 or there's only 32 total positions
0: yeah, like, in, in the, the wor- world, in
1: the world. So <laughs> you can't get mad at Tannehill for not being exactly stoked that they already have, you know, plans to make him not in that position or that role. Mm. So, like, I get it. Like, yeah, Tannehill, chill. You should mentor the kid. But at the same time, like, everyone that's like chastising him, I yeah. I think shouldn't be because the time is limited in the NFL for everyone besides yeah. Tom Brady. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, he's he is the only exception, but. Yeah, I I, I could definitely see both sides. And when I initially saw the comments, I was like, oh, Tanhill's kind of a dick. But when I... It, it's so funny how when you take one quote out of context and not listen to the actual statement someone gave, you can get a whole idea in your head of, of you know, their character. But if you actually listen to the soundbite, it, it, it was not said out of animosity at all. I mean, he was just... It was a moment of transparency, which... I'm all for the, uh, the the less ingenuine, you know, cookie cutter press conferences we get from players. The better, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I can definitely see both sides in that situation. Um, but it's it's just a picture of how the NFL really is, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but on Malik Willis, so I saw some rumors on Twitter this week that apparently the Seahawks uh, front office thought Malik Willis was nowhere near ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL.
1: Oh, really? I did not see, I didn't see those Yeah, I think,
0: um, like, Tom Pelissero, one of those guys tweeted about it. And granted, uh, you got to take rumors with a grain of salt, but it does, you know, speak to the actions that they took um, during the draft. I mean,
1: they had the opportunity to take him at pick number 72, and they didn't. They had
0: four chances to take him. Yeah. If you, you know, started pick number nine. Um, and and they didn't do it, which, I, you know, emotions aside, weeks later, I'm I'm totally, I'm actually kind of glad that they didn't take them at this point because we have Abraham Lucas, we have Boyamafe, um, Kenneth Walker, I'm very excited about. I think, um, the backfield of him and Rashad Penny is, on paper, one of the best in the league already, um, so. I, I think they made the right uh, choice, but um, it's interesting how we had this perception from the media about Mal- Malik Willis that like he was gonna be you know top ten pick, like yeah. clearly the most talented. and he was clearly the most physically talented quarterback in the draft. But from the beginning of the draft process, when I was doing my research on, especially after the Wilson trade, when I knew the Seahawks were maybe gonna draft a quarterback, um, all I heard was how Malik Willis is very raw and the offense that they ran at liberty was like will uh willis would look at his first read and if it wasn't open would run basically Mm -hmm. so it makes sense
1: well and that is just another like example of being swayed by the media Mm -hmm. even if you have your own like for example when we were doing our mock drafts and whatnot i remember i had i liked Drake London, the best of all the receivers in the receiving class coming up. But I was like, I kept seeing rankings of Garrett Wilson being higher and taken uh-huh. higher than London. So I was like, damn, well, I ha- I don't really know much about Garrett Wilson. I, did- I didn't w- get to see highlights of him play as much as London. But I guess he's better because everyone's ranking him higher. Exactly. And lo and behold, in the draft, London went before Garrett Wilson. So it's just like, I should have just gone with my gut. And yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, yeah, the media definitely has uh, its, its ways of hyping up a player more so than they should be. Mm. Um, not to say Malik Willis, you know, um, he is very raw. He, he does have the talent and it, it is clearly there. But uh, are we willing to wait two, three I don't know, four seasons for him to be ready. Like, we don't have that kind of time. Pete, Pete Carroll doesn't have that kind, of, have ha- that time. kind yeah. of time. So, And that's something I never really considered either, is Pete's probably thinking, well, I mean, I don't know what is said behind closed doors with uh Jody and whatnot, but I would imagine he's not willing to take on a project quarterback at 70, yeah. 71 years old so
0: and if the seahawks suck this year it makes a lot more sense to use one of our high picks next year because the quarterback class allegedly is going to be a lot better i mean you have bryce young out of alabama cj stroud out of ohio state and then even the second tiers of guys that are maybe not projected to go top five but mm-hmm. um, the mac Joneses of the world they're a lot better i mean kenny pickett was the only guy taken in the first round this last year mm-hmm. so kenny pickett as a prospect was a tier below even a mac jones so i think that right there says a lot about what the league as a whole thought of this class mm-hmm. um so i i think it was good process um real quickly uh with you were talking about uh predictions earlier. I have to give myself a little uh pat on the back because I won the field goals armchair GN contest for predicting the most players that the Seahawks ended up drafting. I am Quasimoto. So John P. Gilbert, if you happen to be listening, thanks for running that contest. <laughs> that was fun.
1: Do you uh do you just win anything other than your name being number
0: one? Uh yeah, I just get to learn that I'm a loser and need to spend less time.
1: (laughs) Maybe not though. (laughs) I mean, we're doing this. We're talking about the Seahawks. Yeah. Shows you have a little bit of insight and know what you're talking about. So
0: true. It, it was, it was more, if nothing else, validation that, uh, I'm not a, a complete moron when it comes to the sports analyst stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that, that was kind of cool. Um, field goals is a great site for all Seahawks fans out there. If you're listening um, they post articles every day, so
1: you're like Malik Willis. The raw talent is there. You just <laughs> you need a couple years in the biz, and then you'll be, you know, you'll be uh, talking with Mel Kuyper Jr. Uh, <laughs> for the upcoming draft picks. Yeah,
0: I need to get lessons in a body <laughs> mannerisms from Mel Kuyper. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm rooting for Malik Willis. It'll be interesting to see, you know, a couple years down the line if. He ends up becoming this a starter in the NFL. I think, for sure, at some point, he's going to get a chance. Jalen Hurts was a very similar prospect coming out of... Um, well, he was Alabama, then he... Did he go to... He went to
1: Oklahoma. That's
0: where he went, yeah. Um, and maybe you could say Hurts was a little more NFL-ready because he played against stiffer competition. Um, but his closest comparison is Malik Willis as far as prospects coming out the last few years mm-hmm. they're re- they're built really similarly i think Willis is a little uh thicker but um both Willis they can put him in as a rookie for specific packages as a runner i think because um, mm-hmm. his rushing ability is already right now in the nfl i mean you'd put like lamar jackson at the top obviously Then you have Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and I think you could put Willis right in that category as far as mobility goes.
1: What was his 40 time again?
0: He didn't run it at the Combine, Okay, but when he was like a junior or something, sophomore maybe, he ran supposedly a 4.37, Mm -hmm. which is, that's really fast. But what's interesting is Lamar didn't run at the Combine either. And I wonder if these mobile quarterbacks are choosing not to run at the combine because they don't want to hurt their draft stock in case they don't get the exact time that people think they're supposed to run. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to say why they choose not to do it. But what's actually interesting is I heard Pete Carroll say this last weekend when talking about rookies, that he's not into a prospect if they're choosing not to do stuff at the combine when they're healthy
1: oh okay yeah
0: because he thinks that has something to do with their uh competitiveness or, or something i i don't know i'm speculating but he he made a comment um to the seahawks media on like saturday or sunday or something talking about the fact that so many guys were choosing not to run and that he was kind of like well fuck you then <laughs> yeah I, don't
1: know. I mean i i understand that i i think some of that maybe comes with the fact that he's 71 years old that's maybe what he's I think a little too. bit old school and he's yeah. like oh well, back in my day you did all the things blah blah, blah. i don't know if he <laughs> thinks this or said this but that's what i think of when i hear that yeah I'm like all right pete you're a little you're getting a little old school on us <laughs> there maybe there's a reason that they didn't run it probably doesn't have to do with competitiveness but it might like that is a good theory i mean
0: yeah um and I, maybe i uh, misunderstood his comment there too there that's always a possibility but it seemed pretty clear to me that like the mentality of the prospect plays a lot bigger of the role in where the Seahawks plays people on their draft board than you might think mm-hmm. um which makes me wonder about like if a guy like uh Thibodeau did follow to them would they take him I think they would have um but um yeah, there's a uh, the the draft process is just so interesting, and uh, one thing I've noticed about all the guys the Seahawks took this year is they all seem to be very high character guys, which I know is kind of a dumb thing to say, but you listen to uh, all of the press conferences I've listened to, they've been very well spoken and uh, just seem like nice dudes.
1: Yeah, I uh, listened to Kobe. Kobe Bryant was on uh, the seven 710- ten. Podcast th- uh, that I listen to almost every morning or mm. when I'm not at work. And uh, he seemed like just a put-your-head-down-and-work type of kid. He's not, like, big personality, like, mm. cocky. I-, I mean, maybe he is, but he certainly didn't come off that way in the interview that I listened to with him right. in it. And uh, maybe that has something to do with him being in the shadow of Maude Gardner. Uh, Could be, cuz i mean his numbers in college weren't insane like they weren't crazy but they weren't like anything to like frown over
0: so yeah i mean he won the uh thorpe award mm-hmm. for best defensive back in the nation so yeah he's no slouch i'm surprised he was there at the fourth round i think he he's a case of people maybe buying a little too much into combine measurables because mm-hmm. he's you know 6'1 190 something and ran a four five mid four fives, but it's not like that's slow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, actually, I think Kobe Bryant has a chance to start for us this year. We'll, we'll see what happens in camp. And they signed a bunch of corners. Um, I think woolen is probably a year or two away from starting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of fun. I saw this picture of Pete Carroll working with Tariq woolen, who's a giant, by the way, he was like a head taller than Pete Carroll. Um, but he was doing some extra work with him after practice on technique. And that just is like, yes, it's so exciting to see because as a developmental prospect, I don't think there's ever been, you know, uh, just a, a mold of a player more exciting, um, than Tariq Woolen. But yeah, he's, he's like a Malik Willis, but as a cornerback, all the physical tools are there, but he was playing receiver two years ago. So,
1: yeah, I know that that would be, I mean, I obviously want to, uh, have positive expectations and hope for Tariq, but that would be a total bummer if it didn't pan out with him. Because yeah. you don't get a lot of six four two hundred something two ten. What is he?
0: He was listed at two o five. Two o five. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot
1: of those type of players who are that fast.
0: Yeah, it's especially. basically like if I was like an inch and a half taller and could run a four two. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Which is, I yeah, I can't imagine being able to move that quick. Um, but, uh, yeah, I it's awesome that we – I am very happy that we took the cornerbacks where we did, not because I wasn't excited by someone like Stingley or Gardner, but the Pete Carroll has demonstrated time and time again. I feel like I'm a broken record with this, but he's great at coaching up defensive backs, and in the system we run, um, it, there, it seems like corners are asked to do a couple of things specifically very well. But we don't generally have someone that, like, uh, like you remember Revis and Patrick Peterson would just follow the number one receiver all game. That was their style. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really do that. Um, but uh, Kobe Bryant demonstrated that he um, was really good at man and zone coverage at Cincinnati, mm-hmm. which is awesome because that, that gives us versatility. Um, but, yeah, uh, one last thing I wanted to mention about the draft class was the two receivers we got at the end of the draft in the 7th round um apparently they were uh well i i think Derek Young might not have been at the senior bowl but Bo Melton was at the senior bowl and was at uh teammates with um Woolen on the same senior bowl team i'm, I'm not sure how it works mm. or maybe they were roommates or something but anyways i think like five or six out of the nine players we drafted were um, entrants at the senior bowl this last year. And if you go back to the last couple of draft classes, the Seahawks have had a good percentage of them were uh, participants of the senior bowl. So um, I'm starting to think for years forward, when we're making our draft predictions, just look at who played in the senior bowl and look at positions of need and Right there, you're gonna get a pretty good, uh, pretty good options.
1: I'm kind of surprised then that Bo Melton fell to us. If he I was know in the Senior Bowl.
0: He was at the Senior Bowl and uh, he ran a four three something at the combine.
1: Well, uh, one thing I wanted to mention too is like I'm glad we didn't take a receiver high because number one, like was it you that was saying we had wide receiver needs
0: or? I mentioned um that because. Right after the Wilson trade, there was rumors that the Seahawks were looking to trade for a wide receiver, which I thought was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad they didn't, because, like, God, look at the wide receiver market this summer. that's what I was
1: going to say, is you can just go out and get an athlete. Like, there are so many... I feel like, like, the threshold of, like, next-level, top-tier receiver is... that That is a real thing. That is a limited number. Mm -hmm. But... There are a bunch of talented receivers in the NFL. Yeah. And I I don't think there is probably not as hard to find diamonds in the rough for that position as there are compared to other positions.
0: Yeah. I mean there's there's god there's so many kids out there now that are running in the 43s. It's insane. I remember that used to be a rare number to be hitting at the combine. Well, but
1: it's it's just like any like like all the sp- all the big American sports, like, think about uh, pitching and baseball. People are throwing 103, 104 now. Eventually, they're going to have to move the mound back, and it's like, that's kind of similar with football players. Everyone's getting faster. Yeah. It's just the Bigger, game. Bigger, faster, the game, stronger. Louder. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, the game, uh, across all sports, the games are just, you know, elevating and... yeah changing over time. I think
0: it's just kind of the natural thing that happens is more as sports become bigger and more global because, Mm -hmm. uh, Mafé, for example, I, he's, you know, clearly of African descent, but I think he was, he grew up in, um, a West European country. Mm. I can't remember which one, but I think he grew up in like, I'm, I know I'm wrong, but like Finland or something like that. Mm. Um, but Mafé hasn't even been playing football period, um, for more than like, three or four years, I want to say. Wow. So he's really raw, but he you know, ascended to the second round of the NFL draft just because he's such a freak athlete. Um, and I, I'm glad the Seahawks are swinging on some uh, kids that have the things that you can't teach. Mm-hmm. Cause th- I think we do have a good coaching staff. I know uh, they've taken a lot of flack in recent years, mm-hmm. um, but I, I still have faith in Pete Carroll um, when it comes to the defensive stuff. It seems like his say in what happens with the offensive staff has is kind of dwindled a bit because, you know, we took Charles Cross. We took Abraham Lucas. These are pass-blocking uh, aficionados. So um, I'm wondering if that's a Jody Allen thing or if it's a Shane Waldron thing. I have really... I mean, maybe it is a Pete Carroll thing. Maybe I'm, I'm just totally wrong. But um, either way, he made a comment at the beginning of this off season that maybe he's been a bit arrogant in how things have gone the last few mm-hmm. years um which is it was cool to see some uh self-awareness and uh humbleness from him about that
1: especially uh i mean i know this isn't everything but especially how old he is like mm-hmm. if he's still reflecting and learning on his mistakes and failures that that at least is encouraging that he's yeah Willing to maybe reflect on that type of stuff and improve on it moving forward. Which honestly, I was wanting him gone a little bit, like probably a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably even up till right before the draft, honestly. But yeah. but seeing how the draft went, I'm like, okay. I am really excited for these players to step onto the field and see what they can do. Hopefully, Pete and John can just kind of make a mold of what they did 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. Um, I think as we were, we were kind of talking about this on the last episode, but this draft was absolutely critical for Pete and John. Um, Cause at the day of the Wilson trade, I was like, what the hell have either of these two guys done the last four or five years that makes me have any faith in them? And it was hard to come up with a legitimate um, answer to that question. Mm-hmm. But seeing this these draft decisions, there wasn't one move they made that pissed me off and seemed like a reach. Um, so I, I do have a lot more faith in them um, that they could they could actually pull this off. and I don't think it is gonna happen this next year. It's all gonna come together. Um, and I, I don't really care that it does um, because next year, 2023, the Seahawks have two first round picks, two second round picks. No more cap constraints from the Wagner and Wilson contracts. And man, having all that capital plus the cap space to get the, you know, high. You always have to pay a premium to get free agents to Seattle because for whatever reason, it seems like it's hard to convince people to come to the Northwest.
1: Probably because they don't want to travel. As much as the Seahawks
0: do. It, yeah, because you got to think, you know, their family is... Uh, most football players are from the south or the east. Well,
1: that's why it's really hard for the Mariners to sign big-name free agents, because no one wants to go to Seattle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty awesome out here. You guys should be more willing to come to the Northwest, but... Honestly,
1: I'd, the rain is even cool. Like, yeah.
0: You get used to it.
1: I fucking hate when people cry about the rain. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. dude, the rain is awesome.
0: Get over it. Um... <laughs> But yeah, no. The Seahawks have a chance in 2023 to be a contender again. The only thing they got to figure out is quarterback, and who knows? Maybe they've already figured it out. We just haven't had a chance to see horse cock lock yet. But or
1: uh, uh, Levi Lefty Lewis? Is he a lefty? He or is did lefty. Did I make that up?
0: No, you you did it. Lefty that. Levi is what yeah. I'm going to start calling. Little him. Lefty Levi. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, God, what a storyline that would be if he makes the team, uh, or I mean, becomes the starter yeah but um
1: or even makes the team
0: yeah that's already gonna be a story in and of of itself um but yeah no i think uh the future is very bright for the seattle seahawks and everyone should be excited about 2022 even if they're bad yeah i agree well that pretty much wraps up all i had for this one jonah you got anything else uh no we
1: pretty much hit every topic i wanted to discuss Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening.
0: Uh, As always, I've been Jonah Hoffman. I've been Ryan Rogers. Thanks for tuning in to the JR Takes Sportscast. We'll see you next time.